right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey, we have a loaded Monday on the show here. Kansas basketball dominating Indiana. Chiefs not dominating the Texans, but they won. Best part of winning ugly is winning. That tested that very much so. What do you mean? (laughs) The best part of winning ugly is winning. I don't care about anything else. Okay. Um, We also have Case of the Mondays. We've got some KU basketball audio, KU women's basketball audio to get to you today. We're going to have throughout the week KU football audio, KU basketball audio. We got the Harvard game Thursday. We got the bowl game next week. No show this Friday or the following Monday, but um, we'll uh, get you all your KU content that you need when we have our shows. So we'll start with the KU Indiana game. Kansas wins by 22 points. Jalen Wilson went four of 18. So your national player of the year candidate, your best player, goes four of 18 from the floor, and you won by 22 points. If I would have told you on Friday on the show, Jalen was going to go four of 18. What would you have guessed the score would have been? Just in terms of would KU have won? Would they have? I would have I mean, guessed they would have lost. I'm st- I'm an optimist, so I would have been like, oh, maybe that means somebody else did well and they still won. But I definitely would not have predicted a 22 point win. No. And what you said that other players could have stepped up, it certainly did. Dewan Harris, good. I mean, yep, just does Great. so many little things well. Elite, ten assists, just gets the team in the right situation. He, he even he missed time at the beginning of the first half because he picked up two fouls. Still ends up with a double-double. He had that little stretch in the second half where he scored like six straight points to kind of get KU out of a rut after Indiana sort of made it a game. Kevin McCuller, good. Great defense. Yes. Um, he he is so good at doubling the post, man. Yes. I mean, you, you didn't shut down Trace Jackson Davis, but for all intents and purposes of him being able to really have a big impact offensively. He did not. He had, what, 12, 13 points? He had 13 points. He didn't score until, like, the two oh, or three-minute mark in the first he did half. nothing early in the game. Nothing. Now, the one thing he did, I will say. He had I nine mean, blocks. Yes. He was <laughs> great on the defensive side of the ball. So, I'm not, you know, turning this into, oh, he didn't do anything. But, offensively, you very much limited him, and yep. he did not really have a big impact on the offensive side of the ball. Part of that goes to K.J. Adams or Zuby Edgefer. Another part of it goes to just KU being able to double in the post. And maybe KU's best doubler in the post, I guess, is Kevin McCuller. But unbelievable game for him. Rebounded well, defended well, scored yeah. 11 points still. Uh, Grady Dick, also very good. Awesome. Can't miss, dude. So good. He Unbelievable. He, he's going to be a lottery pick, right? Yes. He just, yeah. I think uh, the most recent NBA mock I saw was like, had him like 12th. But I feel like he's going to end up going a lot higher, especially if KU plays this well and makes a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, got to be somebody who's a top 10 pick. Well, and if he, he's defending like he has the past few games against Missouri and Indiana, he had five steals against Indiana, which, 
you know, that wasn't necessarily on-ball defense. He did a really good job with off-ball defense. A lot of it was, hey, a double in the post. I'm going to shoot this passing lane. And he went and got the ball. And it led to a yeah. transition play. Yeah. But that's half the battle, too. Like, I, I think sometimes with, with defense and individual defenders, we get too caught up in, well, this guy is a great on-ball defender, or this guy is this or that. or well, Derek, they don't play They're defense. different types of, they of defense. They don't play defense in the NBA anyway. <laughs> so what does it matter? Who cares? Oh, boy. Okay. Avoiding that comment. Um, I don't want to also, get into that right now. Hey, 100% from the free throw line for Kansas in that game also. How many did they shoot? Only seven. There were seven of seven. Hey, it still counts. 100%. Well, Indiana was 16 of 20. So Indiana's doubled your points in free throws, and you still absolutely clobbered them. Just clobbered. It was never even close. Never a game. No, it never was. Those guys were so good. KJ uh, didn't end up I having love- like a, a huge game, but the way he started the game was very impactful. I and- loved uh, Bill Self. I think we had the audio coming up, but it, it, the quote was like, Dewan was great. Grady was stupendous. Bobby was excellent. He just kept going on and on. It's awesome. What did KJ start at the line? Was it 0 for 8? Uh, I think 0 for 9, maybe. No, because it 0 for 2, 0 for 2, 0 for 1, 0 for 1. So that'd be 0 for 6, and then he went 2 for 4 his next game. So he oh, okay. started 2 for 10. Okay. Since, I guess since he started 0 for 6, he has gone 11 for 18, which is a 60-ish, 60-something percent. 3 for 3 against Indiana. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, I'm sure, worked on the free throws after that slow start, and he's, he's definitely picked it up where you need to go. All right. I mean, do we need to consider that Kansas is playing really well, but maybe Indiana kind of sucks? I don't want to, I don't want to do that. No, no, I don't no, want to no, no. do I don't, no. no, okay. Here, I don't want to, I'm not saying that as a way of like taking away from what KU did. I think KU is the top three team in the, in the country easily right now. But, I mean, Indiana, I thought they were a little better than that. Okay, but don't you think at some point, because you have said this about the last, like, <laughs> I have, four I have. opponents Kansas every, has beaten. Every team they've they blown them all out. Sucks. Every time they've beaten them, you've come here the next day and gone, <laughs> well, the other team just sucks. Well, Maybe okay. if the other team time just out. sucks, and this is a team that is ranked 16th on Ken Palm, top 15 at the time in the AP right. poll. Maybe bus. Kansas is just making the other team suck because okay. they're playing well. Stop the bus. Seton Hall sucks. Missouri mm. sucks. Indiana Probably pretty good. KU, KU beat them pretty easily. So, no, yeah. No, listen. I'm the biggest KU guy here, man. Come on. KU's the top three team. Easy. But again, like, literally literally 10 days after Kansas uh, blasted Seton Hall. Didn't they just they just lost Seton to Hall, a bad team recently, right? They lost to Providence, who's a fine team. Um, but 10 days after Kansas blasted Seton Hall, Seton Hall won at Rutgers, who is a top 30 Ken Palm team, and low key winning at Rutgers has been one of the hardest teams for, or things for people to do. Like they they win like every home game, oh. and, and then like you look at Missouri, like they've won all these other games. Um, yeah, against the three hundred and sixty first schedule. No, I know I but, could win those games. Call me five times. Okay, and how I about win Saturday? Those games. They just beat UCF, who's a top sixty Ken Palm team. Okay, good job, Missouri. Okay, I'm not saying I'm not, those teams I'm, are late. Okay, I'm, I'm not just give, saying we look, can't keep going. Hey, they blew out this team. The other team. I'm sucks. not going to give Missouri any credit for anything. Okay. Okay. So screw that. No. For me, Indiana yes, is a good no, team. KU is great. KU is great. And that was... They're going to win the national title. They're a top three team. They're going to win the national title. <laughs> the most definitive moment of you showing that you are on a roll right now. Oh, 100%. Yes. This team is so electric at creating chaos, at creating steals. 
and being able to thrive off those steals in transition because of their different defensive abilities. Grady is a great transition player because he can either you know, hit a transition three or he's really athletic and can still dunk it. Yep. Kevin McCuller, Dewan Harris can lead the break in transition, really find guys. Jalen's averaging two, three assists per game. He can find guys, but also we know he can be a great scorer. KJ is a great transition center because he's faster than the other center. It's a great transition team, and if you get... Yeah, it turns out KJ at the five might just be kind of good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they got they got seventeen steals against Indiana. That's that's a lot of steals. That is a lot of steals. I can't imagine they're going to do that. A lot of steals again this season. But the fact that they've shown the ability to tells you that they're going to have other games where they get a lot of steals. I I go back to a comment I mentioned um, toward the beginning of the season. I think it was after the first game. Okay. This team would be like an elite. Bob Huggins, uh, press Virginia team. Because I mean, they would get so many steals in that system. And yeah. I know Kansas is never going to play that way. And also to play that way, you would have to have. I think you'd have to have. You have depth. to have a lot. Yes, exactly. Like that. Those those your, West Virginia your guys teams would get tired. Yeah, they'd play 10, 12 guys. Because you're right. Every, the most a guy would play was twenty five minutes. Um, except for like Javon Carter, who was like a psycho and would play like forty minutes in that. Um, so you know, you look at at that and. You realistically say, well, Kansas won't play like that, but there are going to be certain times they throw it out. And what happens if you're you're trailing late? You're down by five late in an NCAA tournament game, and you need to create some magic. They will you feel confident that this team can do that. Oh yeah, in that Easy. situation, get a steal Easy. or two. So Easy. all that stuff is is important, and, and they've done so well at that. And if the other team, I mean, Xavier Johnson going out certainly hurt Indiana, not having another ball handler on the floor. If you play a team that does not have good ball handling, you're going to turn it over. And and honestly, I even go back to the Tennessee game because that was not a good game for Kansas, and there were many reasons why. Obviously, Dewan fouling out, Bobby getting injured, Kevin trying to play through an injury, Jalen Wilson struggling, Tennessee just being a good team. There are a lot of reasons why that happened. But even in that game, remember Tennessee, Tennessee had, had like a billion turnovers, turnovers at halftime? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they had, they had like 25 turnovers. So that's just kind of a calling card for this Kansas team, maybe more than, than any other – Kansas team under Bill Sell? I, I don't know. Mario Chalmers. I mean, that, that, that's actually kind of a good question. Like, Robinson. What What is this team's identity? What What's their identity? I think it's being a switchable, versatile, chaotic or chaos creating defense. With just I don't know. It's just it's just like a versatile that's team. You I guess. Well, yeah, exactly. What is what, what is their identity? No, you're right. I mean, I don't know because they're not really a transition team. I mean, they are like they're good in really transition, like what but they they're, yeah, do. They're not. You know, Roy that's Williams. Not the only right? way they play. No, it's not. I guess that's the best way of putting it. They they were just they're like in a, they're like an amorphous <laughs> team that can play yeah. to whatever the other team's yeah like tempo slash strategy is. Yes, that's it's that's really a great good, way of putting actually. it. Because really they've good. they've been good on defense. This hasn't been you know one of the three best defenses in the country. They've been good on offense, just outside the top ten on offense. They they they're a good three point shooting team. They're not like a great one. They're you know <laughs> good at driving. They're not like a great one. They're Good at getting steals, but statistically, they're still not a great... You know, there's not, like, one thing that they do, like, I guess, super, super elite, but they do, like, pretty much yes, everything they're well. Like on the cusp of elite in, like, multiple categories. Yes, which can honestly be better, because yes. you're super balanced, and it's hard to 100%. kind of attack you the other way. Well, and I, I honestly, like, big picture with Bill Self and his time at KU, that actually has been, I think, one of the more impressive things about him, is that his teams always have managed to be able to have this situation where they can kind of play at whatever the pace the other team is playing like 
we've there's been Bill Self teams that have been good in transition, but they could still play in the half court. There's been Bill Self teams that have been post up for 25 seconds, but they could still run out too occasionally. And that's that's kind of what this team is, but they're like almost taking it to another level, I guess. I don't know. By the way, uh, I'm looking right now. The turnover rate that Kansas is forcing defensively, pretty much other offenses are turning it over 22.5% of possessions. That's a that lot. would be the highest number of a Bill Self coached Kansas team since 2007. If you go by that, it would also be the third highest in Bill Self's coaches uh, all time. But if you go by ranking, right now they'd be 49th in the country. I guess that would also be third. They were 42nd in 2007. Wait, so basically, me Mario Chalmers and Russ Rob. You're telling me there's 48 other teams that force turnovers on more than 22% of Well, you got to think. Like, there's a lot of teams, because there's so many teams in college basketball, there, I, I guarantee, like, probably 40 of those are from, like, small conferences. Okay. Where you're just playing lesser opponents, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, like, I was looking at one number of, like, defensive rebounding percentage, which... Uh, we'll get to it at some was point. It like Drexel number one or something? Well, no, like, <laughs> and it was like, well, if you did this, you would rank like 70th. And it's like, ah, that doesn't sound that great. But then if you narrowed it down to just like big like six conference schools, it'd be like five. top 10, you know? Okay, yeah. So it's just sometimes that stuff kind of gets watered down. Point is, they've been really freaking good at it. And and that yeah. kind of has been one of those identities there. Um, yeah, I was I was really impressed with the defense overall. Bill Self said in the post game, it was the best we've defended in a game this season. It wasn't just the steals and creating all those things. You held... Trace Jackson Davis down. Yep. And and you really held their entire big time. I mean, in the first half, Indiana went 5 of 16 on twos. They went 5 of 14 on threes. It's a team that doesn't like to take a ton of three-point shots. They're more about, we're going to take a limited amount, but we're going to hit them when we get them because they're going to be open looks. You kind of forced them into taking tough threes in the game. I think Allen Fieldhouse affected Indiana quite a bit, actually. That'd be fair. I think I think they were pressing. And I, a combination of getting down early plus the environment it seemed like they were pressing quite a bit. Yeah. But I but also, I mean, there was plenty of times where I felt like they got some decent looks and they just weren't falling. Well, like the very first play of the game, they win the tip and they they swing it out to, uh, I forget the name of the guy, their, their three-point uh, shooter, who was shooting 49% on threes coming into the game. And he gets a wide-open three in the corner immediately off the tip, and he misses it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that didn't help that they did that. Um, but, I mean, back to the defense, like, I think, obviously, rebounding is going to be very important for how good this defense can be. That's finishing the defensive possession. You can't have a full stop till you get the defensive rebound. And we've mentioned this the past few games where Kansas has actually rebounded well, but KJ still hasn't had like a ton of defensive rebounds. It's pretty much to a point where you need one of two things. Either your center has to come in and be a good defensive rebounder, but that's not really KJ's calling card. Or your wings have to step up and be good defensive rebounders to make up for it. And in the battle for Atlantis, specifically like the Tennessee game or even the Duke game, Kansas's wings maybe leaked out a little bit too much and they weren't grabbing a ton of defensive rebounds. Yeah. Over the past couple of weeks, it seems like every game, like Kevin McCuller against Seton Hall and Jalen Wilson combined for 23 rebounds against... Missouri, what, Jalen had 10 of them. Uh, McCuller had a handful. Grady Dick had like seven rebounds. And then in this game, Grady Dick had a handful of rebounds. Jalen Wilson had eight rebounds. Kevin McCuller had double-digit rebounds. Like, again, you got that, and you rebounded just well. So for the game, um, they were, KJ— they were plus three. 
KU's point. Yes, but if we just look at defensive rebounding percentage, because this is what I'm interested in. So if we look at the first half first. In the first half, Kansas had 15 defensive rebounds. Indiana had five offensive rebounds. That means that Kansas had a 75% defensive rebounding rate. Does that make sense? They grabbed three quarters of the available rebounds, right? And I'm not a big math guy, but that makes sense. Okay. No, I'm with you. If you do that every game, so if, if you essentially have a 75% defensive rebounding rate, because you might be thinking, is that good? Is that bad? That would rank top 60 in the country. And this is uh, the stat I was referring to. If you just went to like big conference teams, it would be like top 20. That's so among good. the big, yes, exactly. Which for good. this team, if you're top 20 in defensive rebounding rate, you'll take it. So basically that's what I'm saying. Target 75%. If you can get three out of every four of the rebounds that go up on your defensive end of the glass, you'll be more than fine. And so for the total of the game, because that was just the first half, totality of the game, K.J. Adams had just two total rebounds. Yep. Yet KU grabbed 73% of their uh, the, the Indiana misses. So they had a 73% defensive rebound rate, which that will very much play for this team, which again goes back into the idea this team doesn't be, have to have a center who can be a great defensive rebounder like an no. Uday or Zuby. It helps, yeah. But as long as the wings step up and do it, you're fine. Yeah, it has to, it has to be a collective, a collective team rebounding effort, which you would think would negatively affect their ability to run out in transition. But yet, it just I know. somehow it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Like if you watch the game, it it just doesn't. No, it just it's, doesn't. It's it's very weird. Uh, bench, which, is, which is obviously great for KU. Yeah, bench we we talked a lot about last week. It wasn't super deep in the game. I know you look at the box score at the end of the game, and you're like, oh, like eleven guys played. I love the the game closing lineup, by the way, that had like Clements, yeah, Uday, dude, and Cam Martin. What at the same was time. that girth yeah. lineup, baby? There was like four big men out there. I was like, <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I loved it. Um, but no, I mean, realistically, before that happened, so I think it was like the two or three minute mark in the game, which was the whole game for all intents and purposes because <laughs> it was a blowout. There were only three guys who played off the bench. It was Joe Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, and Zuby Edgefer. Yep. And, and that's fine. Like, we haven't been asking for this team to have five or six guys every game that come off the bench and contribute. Just get one to two. And that hasn't well, really been happening every game, but that's I think, exactly what happened. You I had think two the great question, performances off the bench. I think the question you can start to ask as we get into conference play is, yeah, this is all great and everything, but like, can KU keep up this level of play all the way through conference play when you're going to be playing, you know, twice a week, Monday, Monday, Saturday, whatever, twice a week? Can they keep that up when you're all basically all of your starters are playing thirty minutes a game? That's like, a good is question. That, is that is that a recipe for success for the whole conference play? I think that's and, an interesting point to bring up because you've had all this time off. Yeah, exactly. In it, games, yeah, right? it's great right now because yeah. you've had nine days in between each of your games. But you're going to be playing two games a week. Going to have to be traveling as well. Like, there's a lot of more factors that are going to be involved in conference play. So, can you realistically expect this extremely high level of play to continue all the way through conference play? And I think the question or the key to answering that question is Bobby Pettiford's health. If Bobby Pettiford is healthy, I think you definitely lean towards yes because you look at this game against Indiana. DeWan Harris only played 27 minutes, right? Bobby Pettiford was able to play 22. Now, he still had Grady Dick playing almost 33 minutes and Kevin McCuller played almost 33 minutes, but if you have games where Bobby Pettiford is able to play X number of minutes and that allows you to keep DeWan off the floor or McCuller off the floor more, then yeah, it becomes more realistic. But still, even with just Bobby off the bench, 
you're going to still need one of MJ Rice or Joe Yesfu, which we've highlighted quite a bit, I think, over the past couple of weeks. One of those guys is going to have to become a 10 to 15 minute a game guy. Yes, 100%. And, and uh, right now, that's not the case. No. Which, again, it's fine right now because you've had nine days in between all of your games. Yeah. But I'm looking at, you know, the end of January, once you really start to settle into the, the rhythm of two games a week, you know, traveling on the road, whatever, what does that look like for Kansas? And if it happens how it did against Indiana, you'll be just fine because Bobby played great. Zuby played great off the bench. Uh, we'll have more. But I mean, on- think about it. Like, I mean, think about like the you know the middle of February. It's like your tenth game, whatever, uh, and and you're at Oklahoma, and you've been you know you're Jalen Wilson and you've been playing 35 minutes a game the past five games. Like, what does that look like? No, I mean uh, we've seen before like guys. I don't know. I, I don't know how much of Ochai kind of tailing off in March in terms of his shooting percentage. Um, like, he had some down games. Was fatigue? Fatigue and, you know, getting wear and tear. I, I don't know because there's all the, also the flip side to it where it's like, well, well exactly. a lot like, of these guys want to play in the NBA and they're going to be playing 82 games if they do that versus, you know, 35 yeah. well, in college those, and they're 22 things, years old, right? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you can point to fatigue, but like, you can't really like. How do you quantify? Right, that, right. Like, yeah, it's it's really difficult. No, it's not a video game. You don't have like an attribute on it, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, or, like, no. The effect it, it has. They they definitely could, and I'm sure that that rest time when you're going to play all your starters thirty plus minutes has, has certainly helped. But yeah, Bobby, Bobby's health, and then KJ or not KJ, MJ or Joe, fifteen minutes a game. That's the key. Yep. Bottom line. We wondered if Kansas was hitting their stride, or it was kind of the schedule. We talked about that a lot last week. We asked a lot of the guests, like. Are they starting to play better? Is it the schedule a little bit of both? You beat a top 15 opponent. You beat them badly. I don't care if Nick says they suck. You're making everybody suck oh, right they now. They do You're suck, a good team. but KU's elite. They're a top three team. So I, I think it's safe to say Kansas is hitting their stride right now into league play. We good. Um, And, yeah, I, I think, you know, you feel really good about where this team is at right now. We good. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. We got some uh, Chiefs talk in about 15 minutes. We'll recap Rock Shock Pickhawk next. We'll break down the Chiefs game coming up in our next segment here on RCST. Do we have to? Yes, we do. Hey, you were the one who said ugly win. It's still a win. Oh, no. Yeah. The Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. No questions <laughs> asked. I've never been more confident. You don't have any questions? Not I've a never, single one. I've never been more confident in my entire <laughs> okay. life that the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, case of the Mondays coming up at 4 o'clock hour. We've got NFL Monday overreactions. Some audio to get to you later on in the show, too. Our Rock Truck Pickahawk. Nick, you're on a roll. I think you're on a two-game winning streak. Uh, am I? Oh, oh, I thought I was on a three-game winning streak. Maybe you are. Was it 5 nothing? I think it was 5 nothing. Okay. And I was, I was getting smoked. But I got Bobby and I got Zuby coming in yep. with some points. Yeah, that was that and, was and, and Grady and, and Kevin both did great. And on, on Jalen obviously yeah, you can't expect Jalen to have fifteen. Yeah. So I had the first pick. I took Jalen. He only had fifteen because he went four of eighteen from the field. Yeah, that's a tough one. You had Grady who had forty four. Kevin got you forty three. Yep. Dewan got me thirty four. KJ got me twenty four. Joe got you two. So through the first three rounds of the draft, I'm sitting at that point with let's see seventy three points. You had eighty nine. So it's like not that different. If I would have taken, if you would have taken Zuby, well, no, I think you had that pick first. So oh. You would have taken Zuby first. But if I would have gone Bobby instead of Ernest, that would have been a that would have it would have helped. I, I think, think I still would have won, won. Yeah, 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 yeah it would have been close though. You would have won one hundred three to one hundred one if I would have had Bobby. Woo! So that would have been very close. Um, but, yeah, 
Ernest, Zach, MJ. The, yeah, MJ getting zero. Yes. Tough. The Ernest and Zach is not like it's not like a shock because it's no. like, oh, Zuby no. ended up playing over him and KJ plays a lot of minutes, right? Yeah. But yeah. with MJ, it's like, man, where is he going in the rotation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he one of, like I said, one of those guys, him or Joe, needs to be a fifteen minute yes. per game guy at least. And to be clear, which Joe played twelve minutes, yeah. which is fine. No, to be clear, like I'm not saying that MJ needs to be a 15-minute guy in the standpoint of self should just play him 15 minutes no matter what. I think sometimes that you see that a lot on like Twitter, the the lineup, you know, champions or whatever. But I <laughs> like he's gonna have to earn it. I guess oh, yeah. basically what I'm saying with that is you need MJ to earn it's, his way into 15. Nobody minutes, you know? loves benching freshmen more than Bill Self. Nobody. I I, I said this last week. I'll say it again. I would just assume MJ Rice is not a good practice player. Because <laughs> we've seen some good... It's, it's not you a situation would where, MJ like... MJ Rice is not a good practice well, like, player and that Joe Yesifu is Michael Jordan. In like, well, like, for instance, Zach Clements. Zach Clements, he doesn't consistently get playtime, but he's gotten certain games where he's had a good chunk of playtime, right? Yeah, yeah. Which his game performances, <laughs> he has done less in his totality of games than MJ Rice has done in one of his two highlight games, right? True. Yeah, that's true. For MJ, it's probably just about trying to but get again, that trust from Bill again, Self that goes practice. back to the whole discussion of the dude that had back strain and kidney stones yeah. and COVID all at the same time. Sure. Practice harder. I what? don't know. What? I don't know if that's what actually you, the case. What do you mean? What do you mean practice harder? Well, now. He COVID. He doesn't have it now. And kidney stones. Does he have it now? I don't know. Maybe. Kidney know. stones, aren't maybe they like a chronic true. thing kind of? Uh, they can be? That. Well, the COVID thing actually could play into it because, I mean, that can have lasting effects. So maybe there is something where it's it's causing him to, you know, have trouble kind of working back into things and, and catching his breath. That that very much could be a part of it. It could be something like that. It could be having to deal with health. It could be that he hasn't earned self-trust trust in practice. I don't know. But whatever it is, MJ Rice, they, they need him. Again, it can't just be, oh, well, we need to do this, so I'm going to throw him out there 15 minutes. It has to be he earns the 15 minutes. So he's giving you a good 15 minutes, and he gets out there. But they, oh, yeah. they definitely need more from him. No, I agree with that. All right, that is our uh, Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk recap. Easy W for your boy. Here's Nick Sports. Hater. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk Chiefs recap next. Don't let me get hot. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Kansas City Chiefs take down the Houston Texans 31, or no, 30 to 24. They didn't have to kick PAT on the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Uh, Carl Sheffer's <coughs> revenge game? Carl Sheffer's revenge game is right, man. That dude was out for blood at the very start. If that game, like, he had but to listen, I get it because he was like, it's not an Arrowhead. Exactly. So no, I, exactly. Death, right? I get it, right? Like, you, you roll up to Arrowhead, you get booed to death, everyone hates you, you're public enemy number one, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, Chiefs again? Yeah. Not an Arrowhead? The flags are flying time, tonight, baby. boys. The one drive they had My seven time to plays. Shine. Texans had seven plays. Six of them were penalized. Yep. That that never happens. Like in the NFL, even like it's almost this I don't know, well known thing, I guess, would be the way of, it's like an unspoken word of that there are going to be penalties throughout a game that are not called. Like we're yes. gonna try to call the obvious ones. Yeah. But you could like if well, realistically, the old adage of there's holding on every play. Yes, exactly. You could throw a penalty on like literally every single play. Yes. If you wanted to get really into it. But you don't because you want an open game. Exactly. 
And listen, I'm not even. Like, oh, he was like, no, I'm just. Listen, no. I'm not even one. I don't want to rag on the refs. I'm not a guy that hates the refs, whatever. But I know people were complaining on Twitter about it. But, like, I'm not really want to be that. Because, honestly, in my opinion, when it comes to this kind of stuff, especially in the NFL, I think this is true, is there's bad calls both ways. And generally speaking, they even out. Yes. Generally. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to get. I don't, I'm not one that gets too upset about it. But, I mean, you can't ignore the coincidence, the quote unquote coincidence, that Carl Sheffers rolls up and the flags are just. Raining yes. down. Yes, and I, I 100% agree with you. I, I've never been one to be like, oh, they lost this game because of the refs. Because you know there are other ways you lose the game, and you know, like like you yeah. said, a lot of times it it balances well, out yeah, kind me, of both ways. Let me let me set the stage. The reason this is a story is because it is kind of becoming apparent at this point that Carl Cheffers like has a vendetta out on the Chiefs. <laughs> Seriously, he was so he was the ref in the uh, it was it was the Pittsburgh Kansas City divisional round game that the Chiefs lost. If you remember the Chiefs, well, that was when the Chiefs kicked seven field goals, right? Yeah, so they well, deserved to lose. Well, that game. but they scored the touchdown at the end of the game. I forget what the score was. It was I don't know, maybe 22, 20, 15, 13. and they had they had to go for two, and they converted it, but it got whistled back because James Harrison was trying to cut around Eric Fisher. And he fell to the ground as Fisher was, like, blocking him, and they called a hold on Eric Fisher. It was Carl Cheffers. And so the Chiefs ended up not converting once they had to, you know, go for a two-point conversion from whatever, the 13-yard line, right? So they lose the game. Travis Kelsey in the postgame says, you know, this guy should never work again. He shouldn't even be able to wear uh, the ref stripes at, at Foot Locker. I'm paraphrasing here, but oh, yeah, he did yeah, say yeah. the Foot Locker yeah, thing. Yeah. Yep. That was Carl Cheffers. And so you've had other games that he's officiated. I think he officiated the Cincinnati game last year. Was that him or was that someone else? Was that Boger? Maybe? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Remember. Anyway, um, so he's had other games. I don't, I don't games. normally pay attention to No, but he, I, I don't either, but I'm, I'm going to have to start paying attention to it because okay. it has become a real problem Here when he's is... officiating games. You had the Raiders game earlier this year. I mean, clearly there Here... is a vendetta out against the Chiefs. Here is the counterpoint, I would say, to specifically focus on Carl Jeffers, is that he's not the one specifically throwing all the flags. Like, it's a crew, obviously, right? So it's not just him. You know what I mean? I don't know. If, I don't know. I think the NFL... In the regular season, I think the crews generally stick together, so it's the same crew. So maybe he goes around and tells his boys, "Hey, flag these guys or whatever." Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's not you know, it's not you know what I mean. It's not him specifically throwing the flag on each play. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't know, I don't know. But listen, Eric, let me set the stage for you. Let me set the stage. The Chiefs playing the Texans. Mahomes completes 50 straight passes, <laughs> one million percent completion percentage. Travis Kelsey. Passes Shannon Sharp for career yards as a tight end. Goes crazy. Jarek McKinnon has his best game of his career. And the Kansas City Chiefs needed overtime to beat the 1-11-1 Texans. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah it does not make sense. Um, Mahomes had like did everything right. It's just because you, you had the fumbles. You... Couldn't stop the them really. Bad. Harrison Bucker couldn't make field goals or PATs. Bucker sucks. Yeah, Bucker sucks. You know, it's just a little bit of everything that, that kind of went into it. Yeah, it, it doesn't make there, sense. I, did you see I, the the yard total at the end of the game? I did. It was like six million to ten. It was like five hundred to two hundred. So six million to ten. Um, you had fifteen more first downs. I yep. saw this from Sam McDowell yep. from the Kansas City Star. The Chiefs gained six point six yards per play. They held the Texans to three point eight since two thousand seven. Teams that have met both criteria, yards per play and yards allowed per play, are 59 and 0, which, I mean, they did win the game, so that stays the same, but the fact that it was even close is wild. Derek, in the last three months, I have known peace on one Sunday. The Chiefs by a week! <laughs> My God! I'm going to be dead by 40 with a heart attack at this rate. Dude, just just, just blow somebody out. 
Please. Well, I'm begging you. And that's why I'm a little worried here because even though they've won these last two games, it's it, it, it almost feels like to me the Chiefs are <laughs> falling from the tier of we're one of the no, best teams in the no, NFL no, 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 to the, the Vikings tier, Disagree. which is like, no, no. Okay, wait, hold no. on, hold on, hold on. No. I'm not actually there. I'm just, if you keep winning like this, I am going to be there at the end of the regular season. Disagree. Because Complete. that that's Here, like four years ago when the Chiefs won the run of the Super Bowl, they were like twelve and zero in one one score games. They played a bunch of one score games that they should have lost. The Panthers, the Falcons. This was like twenty eighteen. I'm come back and look at the schedule. Smashed in the Super Go Bowl. Go back and look at the schedule. The Panthers. It was like the Panthers, yeah, the I, Falcons, the Steel. Like there was a bunch of these games that the Chiefs legitimately should have. Yeah, lost, I remember. And they they would have been the. It would have been like the first time a team had won the Super Bowl with winning like that many you know one yep. score games or something. Yep. Um, so you're right. They made the Super Bowl. They also got smashed in the Super Bowl. I think yeah, that's but good I mean, they up. got des- they had, you know decimated by injuries. Okay, whatever, all right, all right. You're right. Uh, no, it, it is a bit overreaction. But I, I will say this: when you see the Bengals <laughs> playing the way they are, when you see the, the Buffalo Bengals Bills sucked for the first half, and their they game against still the won by like 20 points. Okay, good job, Bengals. You won by 20 points. Okay, so you want me to do the same for the Chiefs in their their playoff run against like the Texans and the Titans the year they won the Super Bowl? What are you talking oh, about? Oh, they were down 20 points. So what? They won by 20. They were down by 20 points at one point. They suck. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I think- listen. You're, that's proved my point. The Chiefs need to be losing. That's when they're the best. Okay. Uh, I, I think that if you keep winning like this against bad opponents... It's it's like the opposite of how Kansas basketball keeps blowing teams out who are less than them. It it shows you that you you're know much what, better than them. You know you know what it actually, shows you right uh, now if you keep consistently doing this. You know what actually the thought you're struggling I had? toward the end. You know the thought I had. Do you remember that meme over the summer that was like Shohei Otani ten strikeouts six innings pitched. Mike Trout did something nobody's done since 1920. Yes. And the Angels lost to the Oakland A's eight right. Like remember that meme? That's yes. how this feels, right? Mahomes completes 90% of his passes. Travis Kelsey is in the top five in t- tight end receiving yards. And the Chiefs needed overtime to beat the Texans. That's, yeah. that's how I felt after the game. I mean, the defense right now is playing like a bottom five defense in the NFL. <laughs> you couldn't stop the Bengals. You couldn't stop the Broncos. They you could not they stop the Texans. kind of stopped the Bengals, but not really. <sighs> We're not getting into that again. <laughs> Which, by, by the way, what? What? you being like, oh, they only gave up 27 points. You realize the Chiefs like lead the NFL in points per game at like twenty nine, in scoring. Yes, yeah. So that's good. So giving up twenty seven is not good. No, that means they would win if they're scoring twenty nine a game. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if they're scoring twenty nine a game, twist. okay. And they're the other th- and they're only giving up twenty seven. Does that not equal so win? Do you think they actually played well against the Texans because they only gave up twenty four? Uh, no, no, they no, they played bad. Okay, because Legarius Sneed and. Trent McDuffie, we're getting cooked by guys I didn't even know existed. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. I didn't even know who out. those guys were. Damian Pierce was out. Yeah, no, they're getting cooked by some dude from Oregon State who I can't even pronounce his last name. He's got twenty letters in his last name, and he's just cooking Legarius Sneed, who allegedly is one of the best slot corners in the league. I do wonder if the if the Chiefs don't have the two fumbles in the game. What if the Texans only score fourteen, and then we're not even having this conversation? Oh, I agree. I mean, I mean. You know, at that Listen, point, would we be like, oh, they to, looked a lot better? You go back to uh, the the Broncos game. The Bron- I mean, think about it. The Chiefs were annihilating them. I mean, they were playing two different sports in the <laughs> for the first yeah. 20 minutes of the first half. Okay? And then what happens? Mahomes decides to get into his bag of tricks and throw a couple interceptions, and suddenly Denver's right back in it. Right? Same deal here. 
one of the fumbles, the, the Texans got the ball at the 17-yard line to score their touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, listen, I've, I have been a staunch defender of the defense. The defense was, was bad. But even still, they were also put in unfortunate situations again in this game against the Texans, right? Now, I want to give you another crazy stat. You guys your crazy stat. Let me give you mine. Okay. Since 2018, so since Mahomes, basically, the Chiefs are 15-11 and 11 when losing the turnover battle. The only team over, five, over 500 when losing the turnover battle in that span. That that goes up with there with the like uh, Patrick Mahomes is. I mean, that's crazy. Like in a, in so good when he's down ten, like better than yeah. You know. Like in a like in a league like the NFL where mistakes are everything. The fact that the Chiefs still have an over five hundred record when losing the turnover margin, like that's insane. Well, I I remember reading an article last year. I think this was against the spread, not straight up. So that is a little different. But it was like. Teams who win the turnover battle are like winning win eighty percent of bets against the spread. So again, it's against the spread. So a little bit different. Like Houston would have won yesterday against yeah. the spread, but yeah, that that just doesn't happen. They were able to do that. Uh, speaking of the turnovers, because now after that game, I mean, they, they it lose is a the problem. two fumbles. It is a problem. Yeah, it is, and it's it's different than last year. Last year it was a problem of just like dropped passes that turned to interceptions. <laughs> this year it's more fumbles, it feels like. I mean, there yeah. have been... It's, uh, fumbles plus Mahomes. Yeah, he's had, what, 11 be, interceptions? He decides to be dumb. But yeah. they are minus six now in turnover margin. They did come up with a huge turnover. They did. In overtime that, they did. that eventually helped them win good, the game. Good job, defense. But that good minus job. six margin, I believe, would be the worst of a Super Bowl winner of all time. I believe the, the next worst was the uh, Broncos with Peyton Manning. They were like minus four, minus five. Huh. So how worrisome is that? They've had nine straight games with the turnover. That's I mean, the longest in Andy Reid's Kansas City tenure. It's 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 not not worrisome. Can I say that? It's not not worrisome. Mm-hmm. It's concerning. Okay, what do you it's think? Alarming. What do you think is more likely what? that the Chiefs lose in the playoffs because of a special teams mistake or too many turnovers and not getting any like turnover margin? It'll be I guess. it'll be turnover margin. Okay, turnover margin for sure. I guess honestly, it could be both. You know, you yeah. fumble a, a punt return and then it's chalk one up in and both you, categories. And you have both categories. Yeah. Um, I, but also, <laughs> Andy. Yeah, I want to have Just, a talk about this. Oh, dude. That was Bud, unbelievable. My guy. So, let let me, I, I guess, it's just, it's, again, like going back to last week, it's the lack of aggressiveness or going forward on certain situations. Last week, my, my gripe was not dude, going for that, too. I, I literally wanted to jab my eyes out with a fork yes. when I was watching this guy trot out Harrison Butker on fourth and two. Yes. Not, he just sprinted him out there. There was not even a discussion. Not even a discussion. Harrison, sprint out there and miss a field goal. No, aye, aye, Captain. Honestly, with Butker sucking so much, like, at what point do you like, just be dude, like, we're going to go for two every time? Fourth and two from the 12, brother. Yeah. Dude. Well, it would never happen under Andy Reid where you would just go for all these plays. That's what's, that's what's tough about this conversation. It's a conversation about, hey, no. why are you not more aggressive? You have Patrick Mahomes, no, it's all one, these things. It's one thing to go for it on fourth and two from the 12. That's fine. Mm-hmm. What you're suggesting, No. What? I, I haven't even suggested anything. Well, what yet. you're about to suggest. I'm just saying. Sorry, got ahead of myself. It's frustrating when you have Patrick Mahomes and you have this offense and it's, hey, let's go for it. And you see other coaches adapting to this Nick Sirianni with the Eagles and John Harbaugh with the Ravens. And it's just like he plays at times like Zach Wilson is his quarterback. And, th- and that's frustrating. <laughs> uh, but it's also like I can complain about it as much as possible. It's not going to matter. Not that he would listen to me regardless, but that's. We know he has said in his ways on this that it's I, never going to change. I think the fourth and two field goal decision from the 12 was way worse than playing for the field goal at the end of the game. 
Mm, that's interesting. I think it was way worse. I, I, I think they're both bad. I honestly think bad. playing for a field goal at the end was worse. I, so you had what a minute forty? You had all your timeouts. I want to say you well, were Andy, at their no, nobody, yard line. Nobody messes up timeouts late in games more than Andy Reid. I would rather Andy Reid call all of his timeouts in like the third quarter than have to sit there and watch him just fumble around late. But instead of being like, hey, we're going to trust Patrick Mahomes, it was just like, hey, we're going to run three plays that are just going to chew the oh, rest yeah. of the clock up. Yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're just going to run HP dive yeah. three times. We're not going to try to make a closer field goal. We're not going to try yep. to get a touchdown. Yep. It was remarkable to me. And then you go to a kicker who missed the PAT earlier, who's been struggling this year to kick a 51-yard game-winning field goal. No doubt he, he missed. He has been struggling, but he actually, 50-plus is like one of his best ranges, which doesn't make any sense. No. And then... But yeah, I mean, Butker. I would just like to say he might be bad. It ended up being okay. Jet McKinnon scored the touchdown. That drive in overtime, I I feel very certain Andy Reid was going to do the same thing. He was going to play for the field goal. (laughs) I'm serious. It ended up okay. Jet McKinnon scored, but they that probably would have been three straight plays. We're going to kick it. Imagine if Harrison Butker misses the 40 yard field goal there. Listen, Mahomes was playing great, obviously, but I I will say that the the Texans' run defense was bad. And the Chiefs took advantage of that by running the ball, which yeah. is fine. No, I think the the last four games, if you add up like Jet McKinnon and I mean Pacheco, Pacheco, Pacheco it's like is, over 400 rushing yards, bunch of receiving yards. Pacheco, I think, is either third or fourth in rookie rushing yards, and he didn't even he wasn't even getting to play basically until like a month ago. I mean, that should speak to you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the defense, it's um, uh, I I am I have now ventured into the concern territory I just it's one of two things for me either the defense I mean there there are enough flaws there that it's worrisome there's the turnover margin there's the special teams there's the defense there's the well I could decision making late in games there's the kicker being kind of a liability right now that is a lot of things that could be covered up because Patrick Mahomes is that good but also that's a lot of stuff to have to cover up right I can solve your special teams problem never return kicks Never return punts. And if it's fourth and five or less, go for it. Boom. Special teams problem solved. And that is never going to happen. Well, the never return kicks, never return punts thing could happen. Not for this team. <laughs> it will not. I'm sorry to inform you. Hey, Big Tone got back out there. Who? Kadarius Tony. Big Tone. Oh, yeah. Got a couple of places. He got out there. Uh, before we go to break, here's some uh, KU football news. Jaden Ham, a three-star tight end from Eudora High School. He is a top 10 recruit in the state of Kansas. He's a top 700 recruit nationally, top 30 tight end in the country. He just committed to Kansas. He was com- previously committed to Arkansas. That sucks, Arkansas. Had a little extra intrigue to the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, that sucks. He took a visit to KU on the 16th, decommitted to Arkansas on the 18th, and he committed to Kansas on the 19th. Tells me he had a great visit on the 16th. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big time gift again, for Kansas. Uh, yeah, and he's from Eudora, right? Yeah. Eudora, which is just down the road, obviously, from again, Lawrence. So another local mm-hmm. kid that you've gotten to stay close to home. Yeah. So great again, for, great for Kansas. Not just about getting a good player in into the, the team. It's about what that means for local recruiting. And yes. now you have two of the top ten commits yep. in the state of Kansas. Pretty cool stuff for KU football. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Case of the Monday is coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. This morning after your weekend-long bender. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays.
Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. I'm going to just calm down. Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. What's happening? Welcome in to our 4 o'clock hour segment here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Case of the Mondays. If you haven't joined us for this before, we go over who is having a case of the Mondays today. Before we do that, (laughs) are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. All right, cue the music. First up, having a case of the Mondays, Earth. What? Yeah. What's wrong with Earth? Uh, this comes from Daily Mail in uh, England. I almost called it the UK. The UK. Headline, Earth could face a mass extinction by 2100. So, Wait. The year. How would we, how will like we say that, by years? the way? Isn't that like 80 years from now? Yeah. Not long, not long away. Wait, how do we say that? Because right now we say 2,000 for the year. 2,001. Would, would we call it 2,100? 20, 2,101. Because like 2,000. Or would we call it 2,100? We're in the year 2,103. That sounds I think fine. It, uh, yeah, I think the you deal with saying it's 2,100 the first year, and it's like kind of weird. It just sounds too long. But then you get to 2,101, and you're fine. Then it's just 2,101, yeah. 2,102, yeah, 2,103, exactly. 2,110, 2,112, 2,111, But anyway, the rest of the headline. Supercomputer predicts more than a quarter of species will die by the end of the century. Okay, this sounds like some Terminator BS. Man. The, super, the supercomputer is like, I predict everyone's going to die because uh, it's PC race. It's going to be computers running the world. Australia? No, I don't even think it's it. I don't know what it is. Australian and European scientists have developed a virtual Earth to better plot global extinctions caused by climate change. The result point to the loss of 10% of all planet and animal species by 2050, rising to 27% by the end of the century. The scientists blame over-exploitation of resources, land use change, over-harvesting, pollution, climate change, and biological invasions. I like my Terminator theory better. You're telling me that Terminator's not going to spawn in and take over the world? that's That's what the supercomputer's saying. Yeah, this is just their way to... Exactly. They're like, oh, yeah, these species are going to, quote, unquote, go extinct because the Terminator is going to come take them out. Right? It says, children born today who live into their 70s can expect to witness the disappearance of literally thousands of plant and animal species, from tiny orchids and the smallest insects to iconic animals such as the elephant and the koala. What? No, we can't let elephants go extinct. You don't or have a problem koalas. with the koalas. Okay, I was going to say. No, yeah, koalas are great. I don't want koalas to go extinct. Mm-hmm. Or elephants. No. Either one of them. No. Um, well, that sucks. You know, why I, do, why do I, you I love start- the sports fans who, who, when, like, another player gets injured, they're like, as a Giants fan, uh, you know, like a, a commander player gets injured last night, as a Giants fan, I can just say I, I don't want him to be injured, and I hope he's okay now. It's like you don't have to be a Giants fan to show human empathy. You don't have to be just, okay. you know. So Why did I'll, you put this? As a human, I want elephants to stick around. <laughs> Why did you put this as number one on Case of Mondays? It's kind of a Debbie Downer one. Yeah. 
Start with a downer. Set the tone. We're serious. Okay, well, We're taking I, things real. Okay, I, I wasn't aware. Uh, what do you think is more likely? Just like, you know, we lose resources and it's like, I don't know, an interstellar situation. You probably haven't seen that knowing your, your lack of movie watching. <laughs> or where we just like don't have enough food do you think it is a terminator thing i mean we see all these robots being made which that's my worry we're we're just gonna like yeah you know, like you said terminator no, situation terminator. yeah i think it's terminator. yeah because blow each other not, up we're with not nukes. we're not gonna be able to develop the capabilities to like go to mars fast enough to save save human civilization you see what i'm saying like does that make sense like like it's already gonna take so long to get to mars we don't have we don't have any sort of anything on mars like the amount of time it would take right now, at least, unless we have, unless we have some sort of massive scientific breakthroughs, the amount of time it's going to take to like get enough people to Mars to like colonize it or whatever the hell we're going to do there, you know what I mean? Like it's going to take too long. Okay. So How we're going to Terminator, or we just nuke each other, or I don't know. Sun blows up. Sun blows up. There you go. This one. Uh, is tough. So there actually was a good story. You tell me the last one wasn't tough. You just told me that <laughs> everyone's gonna be dead in seventy years. What could well, be this is a happier that? story than that? Because it's just one individual. I'm sorry to the individual, but it's not the whole Earth. Um, flip side to this, this guy's not having a case of Mondays. There was a guy who placed a bet on like all these teams to win leagues. Like he he bet on Kansas to win the national championship in basketball. He bet on. Uh, like PSG or somebody to, to win like one of the soccer leagues. He bet on Man City to win the Premier League. He bet on uh, Golden State to win the NBA title and the Colorado Avalanche to win the NHL. And he had like eight or ten different teams winning basically the league. And he didn't get all of them like at the beginning of the year. Like the Kansas one was like plus 260 or something, which tells me he took that line around. Probably it was in April. When, like, they were in the Final Four, and so you're picking them. And so at the time, you knew the Warriors were good and the Avalanche were good, but you still didn't know. You know, it wasn't like a, all the teams were in their final game. Yeah. The last leg of this parlay, he put, like, $25 on it. He would have won, like, 500 and and something thousand dollars if it all hit. The last leg of the parlay was France to win the World Cup. They made it to the World Cup final, and he said he slept on it and woke up, like, the next day. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to take the cash out. It was like $250,000. He would have lost everything if he would have kept the bet because France lost. So good for him making the cash out. The opposite of that is this gambler. And this guy's <laughs> the one having the case of the Mondays. This is from uh, Todd Dewey, a sports betting columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal. So the Colts over the weekend blew a 33-0 lead. They did. lost to the Vikings. Yep. Cowboys blew a 27 to 10 lead, yep. lost to the Jaguars. Buccaneers blew a 17 nothing lead, lost to the Bengals. And the some better at one of the sports books at the Caesars Sportsbook. And this is the same better. He lost live bets on every single one of those games on bets where you're like what are you doing? He risked $50,000. How much? Fifty thousand, five zero, and then three more zeros, dude, to win one thousand dollars on the Colts. He got them live minus five thousand, or minus a thousand. No, minus five thousand. Oh, minus five thousand. Yeah. So he bet fifty thousand dollars. If he would have won it, he would have won a thousand dollars. He lost. So then, damn, he bets ninety thousand dollars at Cowboys minus nine hundred live okay. to win ten thousand dollars. 
They okay. lost. Then he bets $65,000 on Tampa Bay minus 650 to win $10,000 more. He lost again. So he bet on the dumbest odds of all time, on yep. things that would have collected him $21,000 worth of winnings on $205,000 worth of bets. That's not good. That's not what you want. And he lost all. So he ended up netting zero. Unbelievable, dude. Why would you yeah, do that's that? Bad. Those odds are so bad. Yeah, that, that guy that guy may, may need uh, some assistance. And especially to keep doing it. After I lost the Colts on, I'd be like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. 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 I don't get it. Case of the Mondays, Deion Sanders. We sure he's a good candidate anymore. Lost his final game at Jackson State. They lost the uh, Celebration Bowl in overtime. They hadn't lost okay, all but year. Did you see how part of what they how they lost? I don't care. They're fourteen point. They favorite. had a third and goal, and the dude was wide open, wide open. Dropped it mm. to win the game. Tough. I think to win the game, or maybe something like that. No, Deion Sanders is still a good candidate. Why? No, nope. Coach Prime lost his last game, dude. Lost Every recruit game. in the country wants to go to Colorado now. On a losing streak. So no, no. If you the lose trend. one, okay, hang on. A serious question. Yeah. If you lose one game, is that a losing streak? No, it's not. You but, have to lose two, right? Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Okay. But so boom. If you extrapolate that, there you it go. out, your argument is already wrong. Well, no, the streak thing. No, okay. If you extrapolate, your already wrong. No, no, no. True or what? false? What? True or what? false? What? What? True or false? What? If you extrapolate out. Deion Sanders' last game at Jackson State into every game he will coach at Colorado, he would never win a game. That's literally the dumbest thing True I've heard or false. My life. True or false? It's True or false? Well, if he, the guy True or false? <laughs> I guess true. I okay, that's all I need to know. Dansby Swanson is having a case of the Mondays. I mean, realistically, he's not, but he also is. Seven okay. years. $177 million deal Doesn't with the like Cubs. The case of the Mondays to me. No. Sounds like the best case of the Mondays of all time, right? But once you compare it to what Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa and okay. Trey Turner got, okay. that's chump change, man. Derek, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Would you take seven years, $177 million? No, not if the other guys were making hundred million more than me. I'm not talking. I'm not. I'm not just right now. Right in a vacuum, a yes, of course. Literally right now, yes, of course. R- at four fifteen Central Time uh, on December. I, it wouldn't 19th, matter what time it is. Yes, of course I would take it. Are you taking one hundred seventy-seven million dollars yes. for seven years of service? Yes, but here's the thing. Okay, that sucks boom. For him. There's your answer. He was an All-Star this past year. He finished twelfth in the MVP voting. He's twenty-eight years old. Well, this is great for the Cubs. Oh yeah, great for the Cubs. It is. Um, Xander Bogarts is like 30, 31. Correa is his same age at 28. Trey Turner is two years older at 30. So he's he's at least tied for the youngest of the class. He just had a great season. Now, you could argue he is the fourth of those four, and he probably is. But you would have thought his deal would have been at least close to those guys. Bogarts got 11 years, $280 million. That's $103 more million. Carlos Correa got $350 million. That's almost double the contract of Danzy Swanson. Trey Turner got $300 million, and he's two years older. So... Wouldn't you be a little miffed if you were Dansby Swanson to be like, hey, maybe those guys are better than me, but I'm at least in the same vicinity. Why didn't I get like 250? Would you take 177 million? After looking True at those. True or false? True or false. false? Would you false. take 177 million? False. You're giving away 177 million right now? 
Well, I'd take it and give it all to charity. Oh, my. Case of the Mondays. People who say soccer is boring. Yeah, people who say soccer is boring are having a tough day. <laughs> tough, tough day. That World Cup was electric. The World Cup final was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was 90, or I guess however many minutes, you know, of just pure awesomeness. Yeah, so if you missed that was it, sweet. Argentina goes up 2 nothing, and it's like... It, it feel, you think it's over? Yes. Because it's soccer. Nobody, you know. Yeah. They do say two-goal lead is the most dangerous in sports. Um, who says that? People. Many people. <laughs> um, they ended up coming back. France did. Kylian Mbappe is, like, insane. amazing. Yes, insane. Um, he scores a hat trick. They score two goals to tie it. Then it goes to extra time, and it's like, okay, this is clearly going to go to penalty kicks. Then Messi scores, the and you're like, yes. whoa. It's 3-2. There's, like, three minutes left. It's like, wow, Argentina is going to win it. Like, big moment for Messi. And then a handball. And then Mbappe penalty. hits a penalty kick, and now we go to PKs. And it's like, France has all the momentum. But the Argentina goalkeeper, who is the biggest jerk in the world. Yeah, he's kind of a tool, but in a really awesome way. No, not in an awesome way. I hate that dude, like in a sports way. I'm sure he might be an actual Liliano fine Martin. person. But, um, yeah, he just had an unbelievable World Cup, and especially in those PK situations, because they also had to get by, uh, it wasn't Morocco. It was, it was Netherlands, I think, in PKs. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a crazy game. And just an unbelievable game. People were immediately talking after that it was like the greatest soccer game of all time and that yep. it was one of the best sporting events of all time. Yep. I mean, anytime you get a soccer match, which usually the, the draw against soccer is it's not high pace, it's not up and down, it's not a lot of points. It's boring. Yeah, but this exactly. game was even the, the times where they weren't scoring. It, it was, was both insane. teams were like just running yes. up and down. Crazy. Absolutely. So much insanity. fun to watch. Insanity. Yes. So if you think soccer is boring, really bad case of the Mondays for you today. Mm-hmm. By the way, U.S. is now ranked 13th by the uh, FIFA World See, Cup this rankings. This just goes back to what I was telling you. This World Cup was perfect for the U.S. because they didn't do more than what people thought they were going to do, so now it's just setting up for 2026. They're ahead of Germany right now on the rankings. That sucks, Germany. I wonder if that's like the first time that's ever happened. Case of Mondays for a guy with a name Saturday, Jeff Saturday. <laughs> okay, when they were up, when the Colts were up 33 nothing. In my head, I was like, dude, this game's played on a Saturday. The coach's name is Saturday. Like, they, sh- they can't lose. They can't lose. Felt but like you know destiny. what I forgot? 12 o'clock Kirk Cousins. Mm. I forgot. 12 o'clock Kirk Cousins reminded me. Came through. Yeah, his, like, circadian rhythms or whatever they call them. <laughs> Who cares it was a Saturday as opposed to Sunday? It's still 12 o'clock. It's still 12 o'clock, baby. Hey, you think Kirk Cousins has this? You know how some people have, like, a sign in their house or they'll they'll do the it's, saying? It's it was like, it's 5 o'clock, o'clock somewhere. It's 12 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, for Kirk Cousins. He just has, like, T-shirts. He just it's 12 out. o'clock somewhere. He should, I mean, he should lead into it. He really should. He should. I would be, I would, I'll be his promo yeah. guy. I'll be like, dude, Kirk, listen, you suck. Yes. Unless it's 12 o'clock. He should be like, he should, that week, adjust his body to whatever time period he needs to be where it'd be 12 o'clock. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So like yeah, if, they're playing, if they're playing the night game at 7 p.m., so he, he needs find like where in the world is Hawaii is or whatever. Yes. He doesn't have to fly there. Just change all his clocks and act like it's that other time. Oh, you know what I mean? I see, I see. So constantly okay, throughout the day. How's he going to do that if it's like a night game? How's the, How does that work? Does he go... Well, no, it'd, it'd just be, be like... He would, he would be... He would just be doing his schedule like it was a noon game. So instead so he of would like go to bed, yes, he'd go to bed at, like, at say three in the morning and wake up at you know sure noon or noon something, or whatever. you know okay, whatever yeah. his normal sure. schedule would yeah. be against that. No, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, okay. Yeah. we work that. Okay, yeah. yeah, bad for Jeff Saturday. Very bad. Yeah. Uh, case of the Mondays for the New England Patriots, dude. 
They have two of the worst losses now on last plays in, like, maybe ever. <laughs> I mean, you go back to the Dolphins loss that they had, which benefited the Chiefs. Obviously, Chiefs fans remember that. And then this, what just happened yesterday? Bro, what are they doing? Is that the worst way to ever lose a game? Easily, yes. Because, I mean, if you throw... I'm trying to think of, like, other... In, in, Extruciating I mean, uh, ways. You like, miss a field goal that like sucks. That, like how, but the, how the Cowboys lost happens. the pick six. The pick six to lose is pretty bad. Pick six. How the Cowboys lost in the playoffs last year is bad. It's just like you just were stupidly running a play and then never got up and spiked the ball. You just ran yeah. out of time. Yeah, that's like that's bad. annoying because it's that's like pretty bad. super preventable, right? The way that's the way the, the Vikings beat the Saints in the playoffs in the Minnesota Miracle. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the no, way the Chiefs lost to like think, the Broncos with uh, Jamal Charles just like fumbling the ball at the end of the game. Yeah, losing on no, like a half-court shot. I definitely think it's worse when it's your offense does something to make you lose because it's like it's less expected. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or even in some cases, you might be thinking, "Oh, we're about to win," and then suddenly you lose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that one's pr- the the Patriots is pretty bad. I think that's got to be pretty high up. There. Dude, what were what were the I, also? Yeah, the game is tied. Just go down. Yes. Just just fall down. Literally fall to the ground. Well, also, what are you doing? Why? Why are you like, hey, you know, not only am I going to lateral this ball, I'm just going to Mac throw Jones. It. Mac Jones is going to going to find pay dirt here. What was Chandler Jones doing, by the way? I mean, he ended up being the hero because of it, but he's just like hanging out with Mac Jones. He's like, ah, I'm not going to hustle on this. Dude, play. I mean, what, what what would you do on a hook and ladder? Wouldn't you just wouldn't? Okay, seriously, mm-hmm. if you're on a hook and ladder on defense, and they're like on the other side of the field, but there's like guys on this side. As a defender, no, the only be one over there was Mac Jones. Wouldn't it be smarter to kind of like play center field and just kind of wait and see what they do? I mean, I guess because it worked out for him. But again, it's Mac Jones. Also, I think what makes this worse for the, the Patriots is that it was Chandler Jones who was a yeah. Patriot. And then he just absolutely stiff arms Mac Jones to the earth's core and scores. <laughs> I think it's a good reminder that even the guys who we consider the best, like yeah. Bill Belichick. No, Bill Belichick is no longer the best. Sorry. We just like... He's not know. the best anymore. Even even the guys who we think are like infallible, like things like this happen. Yeah, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bill Belichick, not my number who one. Who's your coach. number one? Can't be Andy Reid either because he sucked. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Okay. Josh McDaniels is uh, only as an offensive coordinator. <laughs> okay. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our case of the Mondays here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We uh, have some KU women's basketball audio to get to you coming up on the other side after their postgame taking down Tulsa last Friday night. We'll get to that coming up next. We got NFL Monday overreactions a little bit after that. This is RCST. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to talk some more KU basketball, and then we're going to continue on with our bowl games of KU football past on to the 1995 Aloha Bowl. We also got some KU men's basketball audio We'll get to you in the 5 o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. It is a Monday, and what we do on Mondays, we overreact to things that we saw over the weekend in the NFL. It was a long weekend of NFL action. Games Saturdays, or on Saturday. Games on Sunday as well. Um, Before we get into the reactions, I would just like to say proper reaction, what I had last week. Justin Herbert sucked against the Titans. But Derek, did you see the throws that he made? I saw, okay. The throw that he made at the end of the game, somebody, I swear to God, this was an unironic, legit tweet that I saw from somebody. They said that the throw, that throw that Justin Herbert made at the end of the game was the best throw he's ever seen, and if he threw it through a car wash, the ball would not have gotten wet. He said that. 
Like, he said, he said that's that. actually kind of a funny way of putting it. He said that's um, what he said. Yeah, he threw it through a I car wash. The ball now have gotten no. Wet. Okay, listen, Justin Herbert at his ceiling can be what these other top quarterbacks are, and he will make plays where it's like, holy cow, this guy is just as good as anybody in the league. But overall, he had two interceptions, and they put up 17 points and beat the Titans <laughs> by three. Let's well, calm down on Justin Herbert. Anyway, well, the Chiefs only put up 20 points and also only beat the Titans by three. Ignore that. <laughs> I refute your your evidence. All right, are we good? Yes, let's overreact. Okay. All right, first up, the Colts. They would win their division if they only played good teams. When they play good teams, yeah. they're elite. Yeah, so what? They beat the, the Chiefs. They did. Um, they, I wish you had brought not. I'm sorry. That, but. Well, that was the first one that just came to mind. They also nearly, obviously, beat the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings suck, though. Let's see. Who else have they uh, beat? They, they beat somebody else that was good. I know. They definitely did. I mean, they beat the Raiders, who I wouldn't say is good, but I guess the Raiders now are like a playoff contender, which is uh, very <laughs> weird. Uh, oh, they almost beat the Eagles. That's what I'm thinking of. Like, the Eagles had to have a last-minute oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. drive to, to win the game. Okay, so— Colts think, beat the Jaguars. Jaguars might be good now. I don't know. I think the counterpoint to this overreaction is that the Colts don't actually beat good teams. They almost beat them, but they don't. So they wouldn't win their division. So maybe— the overreaction should be you should bet on the Colts every time they play a good team with the spread. Counterpoint, though, the spread was only like three and a half against the Vikings. So they covered. I, I think so, three. depending on what depending on what you got. It was it was a close spread. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, they would have covered against the Chiefs. I'm trying to think other yep. good teams. That they would have covered against the Eagles for sure. Would covered against the Eagles. And the Raiders, probably. The Commanders. They probably weren't favored. Yeah, I mean, they, they won, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, we found it. All right, the the Texans, the Texans, they're a they are a hybrid of the Colts and the Lions. So if you take the Colts mm-hmm. and the Lions and smash them together, you produce the Texans. Yes. So this is not an overreaction at all. Um, so how do you figure? Well, okay. So the Lions were the, the team, and now, now they're wins. actually. I know the Lions are actually winning games now, but the Lions have been the team that every game they play is going to be close, right? I mean, yeah. even in a lot of these wins, they're winning them close. Yeah. With the Colts, they play the better teams better. We just agreed to that. Even if they're not winning them all, they play okay. them better, right? Sure, fine. That's the Texans, dude. They they lost to the Broncos. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Raiders by 18 points. Yet, all of a sudden now, the Texans are losing close games to the Cowboys, well, the Cowboys and the Chiefs. The Cowboys suck. Don't the Cowboys have like the third best record in the NFC? Yeah, they suck. Or maybe it's fourth now. So you think this is not an overreaction? No, I don't okay. think so. They're All hybrid right. in a weird way, like not right. in the All way right. of like an average or, or a bad team and an yeah. average no, team. But yeah, okay, yeah. All right, the Chiefs. They're they are last year's Packers, same team. So, so last gonna, year's they're Packers. Gonna be, they're gonna be kind of bad. And then they're going to be a two or three seed, and they're going to go and lose. So last year's Packers were the one seed. Were they? They were the one seed. Oh. Made it to the playoffs, and all season long, the Packers just kept winning games. They had all sorts of special teams issues. <laughs> that sounds kind of familiar. Okay. And then what happened in the playoffs? The Packers the caught Bucks. a hot 49ers team in the divisional round, hosted them, and they, they got off to the Bucks last year. That was two years ago, I think, oh. in the NFC Championship. Last year, they lost to the 49ers in the uh, divisional round. Oh. And the reason they lost is they had a punt blocked 
that led to, or maybe it's a muff punt. Either way, they had a special teams gaffe after having a season-long worth of special teams issues, and they lost the game. But they won a lot of games. They got the one seed. Chiefs are winning a lot of games. They have a chance at the one seed. It wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs, though, lose early in the playoffs this year. One, because of the way they're trending. Two, we've seen special teams rear its ugly head for this team. And a lot of times when teams have special teams issues, that doesn't just go away in the playoffs. Remember Cairo Santos, or not Cairo Santos, uh, gosh, what was the kicker for the Bears, the double doink? Oh, uh, his name is right on the tip of my tongue. I mean, that, that was a problem for them Casey all season right? long. Casey something? I don't know. That was a problem for them all season long, and it came up in the playoffs. Packers last year. Came up in the playoffs. It was Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey. Yeah. Not Casey Parkey. I just Cody I have Parkey. worries that something bad's gonna happen for the Chiefs special teams. Okay. Well, you can be worried all you want. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Okay. Alright, is this the no reaction? All NFL officials should be in prison. Uh I don't think it's enough of a reaction. Okay. All NFL officials should be collectively put on a space shuttle and launched into space. There we go. I like that. Yeah. All NFL officials should be should be strapped to a submarine and sent down <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, that's a little cryptic. All NFL officials should be required to play a game where players officiate the officials playing the game. No. I don't want to see that either. All NFL officials should be... I thought the space one was the best one, really. But yeah, I mean, obviously, okay, the this space one. We'll go with space. I mean, if, if we're being space. serious, yes, this is overreaction. But like, dude, what a bad weekend for the officials. That, okay, Sunday was the that was like that was like uh, trying to think of a that was like apocalypse day of the officials, the worst collective day of officiating ever in the NFL. Well, it's hard to if you when you put the ever qualifier of be like, well, let me think of you know. I re- I have my top five worst officiating days written down. Here's no, it's ever. Example X, it's ever. X, Y, and Z. It's ever. I mean, it's bad. We, we talked about the Chiefs game earlier in the show. The the play with Terry McLaurin and the Commanders. That was terrible. really bad. Terrible. So if, if you didn't see that, Terry McLaurin, it's it's like the, the Commanders need a touchdown um, to come back and, and try to tie. Which, by the way, what that call ripped us of. Is the theory that the commanders and Giants would have, would have yes just stayed tied, tied forever? At because it, if, if that call doesn't Imagine happen, if you bet the over again, 40 and a half, and they tied at twenty again, <laughs> it would have been so like, funny. Dude, like, dude, I would, I would, I would never bet another mm-hmm. dollar the rest of my life. So Terry McLaurin like looks to the the sideline with the official and uh, says like, "Can I scoot up?" So he scoots up. Yeah, it's, it's pretty says, standard. Yes, can. For, for those that yeah. don't know, it's pretty standard procedure in the NFL. Like as a yes. receiver. You, as a wide receiver, you go out, and depending on the formation, you know, you have to have X number of guys in line of scrimmage. You don't want to be covering a tight end up or something like that to make them eligible. So as a receiver, if you're the outside receiver, almost every play, you're going out and looking at the official and saying, like, hey, you know, am I in a good spot here? Are we good? And that's what happened. Yes. And then he scooted up, and he, like, gave a thumbs up. And immediately, the ref puts his hand on his flag after being like, yes, that's good. As soon as this play is snapped, he throws the flag. So he basically baited him into it. He's like, yes, do this thing that is illegal yep. so I can throw a flag. And then you had the Keelan Cole touchdown for the Raiders that looked like he was pretty clearly out of bounds. Out of bounds. Yeah. 
and it not only would not only did it stand, it was confirmed. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember, you have the difference difference of wording there. If it stands, that's usually like, oh, you know, we we don't. There's not enough conclusive evidence. It's gonna we're gonna leave with calling the field. If you confirm it, that means you're like a hundred percent. This for sure happened. Yes. yes. When it a hundred percent did not happen. That was wild. Uh, this one almost would have sucked, but they didn't end up calling it. Uh, did you see the amazing interception that the Titans had in the end zone? I did not see it. No. So just oh, was it the one where the guy caught it and then tossed it to his teammate? Yes. So he like he batted it with two hands. Yeah. So the ball was like thrown out of bounds, and the one DB went up and batted it into the field of play, and his his guy caught it. And uh, was that legal? Well, this is the thing. They they said it was legal, but the rules official or rules analyst came on the broadcast and said. There's actually a rule you can't bat the ball as defenders forward or something. So, like, if you're a defensive back, you can't, like, hit the ball forward? I guess. Which I don't understand. Why not? I don't know. Like, what? What? in what way would that would that well, be penalizing asking, the you're offense? You're asking the NFL rulebook to make sense. You just threw... If you throw the ball away to a defender where he can bat the ball... I mean, is, why, it, like a, is, it, like, is it like a volleyball rule where, like, you can't can't like catch it really quickly and then like toss it in the air forward maybe that's what it is but like if i think that'd be cool if, if you can execute that do it uh, that would have taken away well no wouldn't it, make more, sense, wouldn't it make more sense to be like for the flip side like you don't want the offense to do that like you don't want the yes, guy i can understand why the offense, offense to like catch the ball in the air and then like throw it yes. forward to another guy correct downfield no i get i get what the offense can't but why can the defense not does not make sense to me? Because if you're hitting the ball forward, I, I don't know. It could go back to an offensive player. You know I, what I mean? I, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, uh, yeah, bit of an overreaction. All right, the Bengals, they're the best team in the NFL. 100%. No oh, question man. Number one. No. Honestly, I think my top two teams right now are Buffalo and Cincinnati. I don't know what order, though. Ask hey, me well, again after they on, play. You're wrong on both accounts. Chiefs. Who did the Chiefs lose to? The Bengals and the Bills. And the Colts. <laughs> so Colts are number three. No, um, the Bengals are playing really good football right now, too. Well, they were terrible for the first half or so against the Bucks. Didn't matter. Came back one by double digits. Good job, Bengals. Good thing the game's 60 minutes long. Again, I don't know why you're you're so mad at them for being down 17-0 when they won 34-23, when that's what the Chiefs do all the time. No, it's great when the Chiefs do it. <laughs> Anybody else does it, they're bad. They're frauds. They, they just have so many weapons on offense. Joe Burrow is just elite. The defense adjusts so well, and they figure things out. I, I'm i tempted to say this is not an overreaction. I just I don't really know how that Buffalo would, matches would, up with Cincinnati. I don't think they played each other last year. No, I don't think they did. So I have no idea how that's going to go. So I guess I'll say bit of an overreaction because right. if you're giving me Bengals or the field, I'm taking the field. Okay. But so, I, I, I think I think they do have a very good case for it. So the Chiefs are number one. Case closed. Moving on. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Is he a top 10 quarterback right now? Or he is. And he could become a top five quarterback in the future. So I'm there's a lot of good quarterbacks, right? Um, there are a lot of good quarterbacks. Man. Here's one for you. This is not on the list, but uh, here's one for you. The top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now are all in the AFC. <laughs> what do you think of that statement? 
Uh, who is the NFC? I guess Jalen Hurts. He's an MVP candidate. But like, am I take? I, I'm. I'm taking Jalen Hurts right now over Trevor Lawrence, but you could convince me that in like five years, Trevor Lawrence is better. You know what I mean? Like over the, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that's that crazy of a statement to make. You really could make that. So if we go by QBR, um, Patrick Mahomes, Tua, we sure Tua's better than Trevor Lawrence? I'm not sure. I'm not either. I'm not sure. Josh Allen, that'd be two for sure. We feel better. Jalen Hurts, again, I, I would right now. He's an MVP candidate at three. Uh, Geno Smith, I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Jared Goff, rather have Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Jacoby Brissett, rather have Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Joe Burrow. Okay. Lamar Jackson. Wait, Jacoby Brissett has a higher QBR than Joe yeah, Burrow? I don't know what's up with that. Uh, Joe Derek Burrow's a fraud. Parr. I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence. Here's the one we had last week, Justin Herbert. <laughs> Give me Herbert. I think normal people would probably rather have Herbert. I, I'll go Herbert. Okay. I Listen, I, I think Justin Herbert's an outstanding quarterback. I'm just not in, in the zone of, oh, he's the same tier as Patrick Mahomes. No, I'm like, with get you. Out of here with you 100%. Dude sucks. So we have six better than Trevor Lawrence. And then any others? Is this Daniel good? Jones, Justin Fields, Marcus Mariota, Dak I think, Prescott. I think I'd rather have Justin Fields. Kyler right. Murray, Stafford, Look, okay. Tom Brady, Aaron well, Rodgers. I guess we'll get to Justin Fields here in a second. But I, I think that's fair. The way he's playing right now, I think he is a top 10 quarterback. And I think moving forward, yes, you treat him like a top five quarterback asset, at least, right? Okay. To where he is young enough. He might not be a top five quarterback, but you add the youth, the potential that he's shown, and that kind of would make you think that, like, in that same ilk, those first six guys I mentioned, it, I guess if, if you're the Jaguars and the, the Chargers approach you and say, we'll trade you Justin Herbert for Trevor Lawrence— one for one? You think about it. You might do it, but it's not a slam dunk you for sure do it. You know what I mean? I don't think like, it is either, no. Okay, so this is... So his last... What is this? Five games. Dating back to the Chiefs game. Okay. He has 13 touchdowns to one interception. And they have won three of those games with all of the wins coming against teams 500 or better. Dallas at Tennessee and versus Baltimore. He's been really good. Really good. Yep. A lot of growth from him. Yep. Certainly right. helps not to have Urban Meyer. Justin Fields. We teased it. Justin Fields. Is he the greatest running quarterback of all time? No, he is not. This is an overreaction. He's a very good running quarterback. I mean, you got Michael Vick, Cam Newton. Yeah. So, like, here's the thing. Statistically, you're going to be able to, at the end of the season, actually make this claim. He's just running for, like, 100 yards each and every game. Yeah. Yeah. The problem that I have with this, I have some problems too. Well, so this uh, he has a thousand yards. Goodness, yes, this is incredible. One hundred forty-three rushes, a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Those are remarkable numbers. Problem I have is that with calling him the best ever, you, I, I mean, I have no problem saying he's probably top three, at least top five ever at this point. But if you would have had today's NFL. Where because of the Ravens, where they tailored the offense to Lamar Jackson, now you're seeing the Bears do it. Other teams are getting more comfortable kind of tailoring it to that read option run game. I think if you would have fast forwarded Cam Newton in his prime to now with like the Bears or the Ravens offense or Michael Vick to now, they're going to be just as good if not. Like, I think Michael Vick is a better running quarterback than Justin Fields, but at the time it was like, no, but you better be a pocket passer and then you can try to run. You know what I mean? 
Like if, if yeah, Michael Vick no, comes out that. now, they're running a Ravens offense, and he's having fifteen hundred rushing yards. Yes, okay. probably. The concern here is still good. is that Justin Fields could sustain some kind of injury. Yeah, obviously. Well, he, he got an injury in the, in the last game against the Eagles, and he's kind of been beat up all season long. So yeah, that is a very big worry. All right, Saquon Barkley is a better MVP candidate than Jalen Hurts. Um, mm, I don't know. You could honestly make a real argument. Let me let me see if I can talk this through, and then I'll come to the decision. You could make an argument that Jalen Hurts is third in his own division in MVP candidacy, or that he should be. Wait, what? Michael in his Parsons, own division? Michael Parsons, Saquon Barkley, Jalen Hurts. Parsons impact. You know things. as good as anybody that we the MVP that we don't give that to defensive players. No, I agree. If if you're saying what would happen, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with that. I'm saying you could make the argument that which player deserves it. He could be third in his division. He has so many good players around him. We've already talked about this last week when we were comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. So many great things around him. With Saquon, he's kind of carrying I mean, that Giants off. Saquon is a slam dunk for comeback player of the year. I oh, 100 percent But uh, he's he's carrying MVP? that offense. I don't know. He's like, the, hey, he's the MVP of my fantasy team. If, okay, sure. if you take Jalen Hurts off the Eagles and give them a league average quarterback, they're still a playoff team. They still might be winning the division. You take Saquon Barkley off the Giants, they're definitely not a playoff <laughs> team. They might be a four-win team. Uh, I don't know. You take Micah Parsons off Dallas, I, I don't know. He does like everything for that defense, and they've been a really good defense up until all their corners got injured and they got toasted by the Jaguars. Yeah. I, I'll uh, say no, though. Hurts has still been really good. But he did have kind of a down game against the Bears. Maybe open things up a little more for Patrick Mahomes, who was fantastic. Yeah, Mahomes is like minus 150 to win the MVP now. Good. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two Chiefs hours down. Super Bowl. One to go. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Here on KLWN. KU takes down Indiana on Saturday. Blowout win. 22-point victory for KU. And we talked a little about it earlier in the show. You can also check out anything you missed on the Best of RCSD podcast. One thing I was curious about, because they obviously did have the one Tennessee setback, but outside of that, they've really been rolling here of late over the past few weeks. Is this team in a better position through this point in time? I'm not saying they're going to end up, you know, doing what last year's team did or being in a better position at the end of the year. But through this point in time, is this team in a better shape than they were last year? I I don't think you can definitively say that just because of the scoring that last year's team had. I think where you would maybe make some headway with this argument is with the whole Remy Martin situation. Like, that was still up in the air at this point. Like, there wasn't really, you weren't really sure what he was going to bring, which I guess brought some uncertainty to the team. But even with how well this year's version of KU has been playing, there's still some uncertainty. I mean, I, I mean, we feel a lot better now than we did two weeks ago about the five spot with KJ Adams doing what he's doing, but that's still got to be a little bit of uncertain for, for you a little bit. So, I, I don't know. I, I mean... I just think with the amount of scoring that you had on last year's team, was there ever really a moment where you felt like really not great about the team? I mean, there was a bit toward the honestly, like it was it was kind of the start of January where you had like closer than you needed to win against Stephen F. Austin. 
You had a closer than you needed to win against George Mason. You had a stretch with nine and a half minutes where you didn't score against Oklahoma State. You lost to Texas Tech. You barely beat Iowa State now in Fieldhouse. And well, that, this year's team barely beat Utah Valley. Yeah, but it's Southern Utah. At that oh, my point, bad. my my bad. <laughs> Southern Utah. At that point, it was, it was like, yeah, you know, what, what's going on here? Like, we still think this team is good. And then obviously, it, it kind of climaxed when you got crushed by Kentucky and Allen Fieldhouse. Um, but through this point in time, so December 19th of last season, at that point, Kansas was 9 and 1. At this point, Kansas is 10 and 1. At that point, Kansas had just beaten Stephen F. Austin by just eight points, but that score was not indicative of how close that game was. Remy Martin had to hit a three with like under a minute left to kind of close that game out. Kansas, meanwhile, instead just comes off a 22-point win over 16th-ranked Indiana. The win over, or I'm looking at Ken Palm rankings, uh, Indiana's right now ranked 16th. To this point of the season, Kansas has three top 20 wins, or two top 20 wins, and three top 35 wins. To this point last season, Kansas had zero top 35 wins. That's pretty crazy, wow. isn't it? That is, that is Michigan pretty, State was 42nd. That is pretty crazy. Last season, to this point, the one loss was to Dayton. This year's one loss was to Tennessee, who's a top five team on Ken Palm. Meh. Albeit, the Dayton loss felt the a little more fluky than the matter, Tennessee loss. Derek. They don't matter. No, I'm just I'm just comparing and contrasting. Um, so, and also Kansas on an absolute roll right now. They are. Not as much the case for, for what Kansas went under at the end of December last season. I mean, I guess if, without the benefit of hindsight, like, okay, maybe on December 9th, 2021, there might've been a bit more concern without the benefit of hindsight. But I, like, I don't know, man, that's hard to say. Well, it's it's certainly just. I, I think it's just an interesting interesting question. I do tend to agree that I think you still were in a better shape last year because you did. You just felt like the I mean, roles you had, you felt had more defined. Multiple veteran scores. Yes, you had all Americans all across your starting lineup. Like, how could you feel bad about that? But honestly, maybe the roles have been kind of defined at this point. Like, I think, they, I think the roles have been defined. Yeah, you mentioned like not knowing who the center was going to be. Besides, but, besides like. I guess the competition between Zuby and Ernest is like your second five. The roles are very much locked in. Your starting five are all locked in. Bobby's your backup point guard. Joe slash MJ are your backups to Kevin McCuller and Grady Dick. And then Zuby slash Ernest is your backup five. Everything else is solid. Yeah. It's like really solid. And... and you could make the case that, yeah, you didn't know what was going to be certain people's roles with Remy Martin, and you didn't know who was going to be, like, is Mitch Lightfoot going to stay the, the big man off the bench? Or, remember, at that time, David McCormick was struggling again, yes. right? Well, he was, and so he it was, was like, who's going to be the starting center? He was center? having a tough time. Yeah. Who's going to be the backup center? Like, is one of the young guys, like, Zach or, or KJ, going to step up? I, I think you really could make that argument that this year's Kansas team is actually in a better spot at this point than it was last season. But honestly, I think the real answer is it's about the same. Which I know that's yep. not compelling. Well, I, don't, probably the truth. I think last year's team, you probably felt better. But I guess with the benefit of hindsight, maybe that's why I think that. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. All right, uh, we have another bowl game of KU football past. We work into the 1995 Aloha Bowl. Let's go. You were actually alive for this one. I was. Uh, yeah, I was. Okay. I would have been less than a year old. 
I was still not alive. Well, this is a uh, repeat. Kansas went to the 92 Aloha Bowl. Yep. Then in the 93 season, they go 5 and 7. 94 season, they go 6 and 5. Didn't make a bowl game, though. And for this season, they're coached by Glenn Mason. And this was just a remarkable year in the conference. This was a remarkable year for Kansas overall. But uh, Glenn Mason was also the coach of the 92 Aloha Bowl and had a nice tenure uh, in his time at Kansas. So they're they're coming off, again, the 92 Aloha Bowl and then two seasons around 500. And they open up the 1995 season unranked. They're playing Cincinnati, and they beat them in a close non-conference game in Lawrence. That Cincinnati team ends up going 6-5. and five. They beat them 23-18. to 18. Then they go on the road against North Texas. Not like a complete blowout. Didn't really have trouble with them either, though. You win 27 to 10. Bigger question, why were they playing at North Texas? What do you mean? North Texas is a powerhouse. Are they? Yeah. According to what? Well, why was KU playing at Coastal Carolina four, three years ago? Mm, they're a powerhouse. Well, yeah, they actually were a powerhouse. Yeah. We didn't realize it yet, but they were. <laughs> North Texas went 2-9 and nine that season. <laughs> um, following week... Play on a Thursday at home against TCU, who at the time was in the Southwestern Conference, and uh, that was a six and five TCU team, so fine team. They beat them thirty eight to twenty. So now Kansas is sitting at three and zero, and heading into the next week, they get ranked. No, just kidding. Wait, actually, yeah, they got ranked twenty fifth. No, I'm sorry. Again, they they had to play one more game. They beat Houston twenty to thirteen. Okay, bad Houston team. Two and nine. So now they're four and zero. Oh. They're four and zero, oh, but they haven't really like blown anybody out. They haven't played like the most difficult schedule in the world, but it's enough to get them ranked. So now they're ranked twenty fifth. It's like you know we'll rank them. We'll see where they're okay, at. There we go. Now we're cooking. Um, then they have a bye week. They move up to twenty fourth, and this was their first real test. They have to play at number four Colorado, which for I'm sure a lot of KU fans, this is like one of their more. Uh, I don't know, a, a very fond memory of a KU football regular season game. October game, you're ranked 24th, you're playing a ranked opponent on the road, and you just played great football. You you, you ran really well, your offense was was humming, you win 40-24 to 24 at Colorado. Okay, Kansas. And that Colorado team ended up being really good, too. They ended up going 10-2. and two. The year prior, Colorado went 11-1, and one, and won the Fiesta Bowl, finished third in the AP poll. Was that the year they won the title? I think it was when they got a split title. Like they they had it in the coaches poll, but maybe not the AP poll. Huh. I believe that's right. So this was a very good Colorado team. Beat them on the road. That's very exciting. The the buzz is palpable. You're five and zero. You're now ranked tenth in the country. There we go. And then you smack Iowa State, thirty four to seven. Final score of that one against a bad Iowa State team. Now you're 6-0. and Now you're ranked 7th in the country. You're going at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's ranked 15th. They're like, ah, oh, man, maybe this is where it comes crashing down. Nope. Try again. Kansas wins in OU 38-17. That sucks, Oklahoma. OU ends up sputtering from there. They finished 5-5-1 and won that year. Oh. So they were, they were ranked 15th. Yeah, this was in the middle of their couple down years, right? Yes, it was. At the time, coming into that game, Oklahoma was 4-1-1. One, one. 
That means after the Kansas game, they went one and three. And if you include the Kansas game, they went one and four in the final five games. So they they kind of stumbled the finish line, but impressive win nonetheless. Now Kansas is seven and zero. Oh. I mean, at that point, I'm just trying to think of like how we would discuss it if we were going through the season. At that point, Kansas was seven and zero, oh, ranked sixth in the country. You had disposed of Oklahoma on the road and at Colorado, two games yep. in the preseason. You were probably circling as like oh, I don't know about those two. Yep, you're like. This team could win a national title. Oh, you're hyped. You know, seriously. You are hyped. And then uh, something bad happened, Nick. What happened? They played at number 14, Kansas State. Oh, boy. And this was actually the first time, and it's still to this day the only time this has ever happened, where both schools were ranked in the AP poll in the matchup. Hmm. Do you think that changes next year? I think it could. I think it could. Well, unfortunately. I think the thing is, like, they play so late in the season that, you know, like, for instance, this season, obviously, Kansas was ranked, but then they kind of had some losses down the stretch and, like, you know. So because it's at the end of the season, that makes it tougher, I think. It does. Um, But, yeah, Kansas State didn't just beat Kansas. They beat Kansas. 41-7 to was the final. Oh. Yeah. Not great. So Kansas goes from ranked 6th to ranked 11th. That's their first loss of the year, but you know, yeah, we're still eleventh, we're seven and one, and then they get the game against Missouri, pound them forty-two to twenty-three. Oh, that sucks, Missouri. Eight and one, they're ranked tenth now. Clowns. So this is the one you need to get. This next game, if you want to have any chance at, I guess even at that point, I, I don't know how real it would have been. Maybe having a chance to to win a national title, <laughs> or at the very least. Um, a big-time bowl game? Yeah, big-time bowl game. You got to win this next one. You're playing Nebraska at home. Nebraska is the number one team in the country. Now, for those of you that don't follow college football history or lore, 1995 Nebraska is widely known as one of the greatest teams of all time. It doesn't have a bunch of guys when you look at the statistics that the stats jump off the page or that you're like, oh, hey, it's Joe Montana or, or some like future NFL star. But the reason they're considered one of those is because for the season, not only did they go 12-0, and they averaged 53 points per game. They gave up 14 and a half. Oh. These are the scores of their games coming up to the Kansas game. 64 to 21, 50-10, 77-28, 49-7, 35-21, 57-0. They beat that Kansas State team 49-25. They beat the Colorado team on the road 44-21, 73-14, and then the Kansas State game 41-3. Oh. That Nebraska team was unfreaking believable. They ended up beating number two Florida in the national title game 62 to 24. Oh, so that's tough. Wait, we were playing national title games in 1995? Uh, it just happened to be the bowl game featured number one versus number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Kansas falls, but, you know, it happens. Everybody fell yeah, against Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, they're ranked 15th now. They're 8-2, and two, and they finish out with a win. They win at Oklahoma State 22-17. to 17. They finish the year 9-2. and two. Great season. There we go. So they finish the regular season ranked 11th in the AP poll. Yeah, I'd gladly take that next year, right? If you could guarantee that right now, would oh, you take yeah, that? No, for sure. 1,000%. Yes, 100%. But this was maybe the greatest Big 8 season ever. You had Nebraska, as I mentioned. They won the title. They yep. were the number one team in the Big 8. Yep. You had a three-way tie for second place in the conference. Kansas, who finished the year 
in the regular season, ranked 11th. Okay. Colorado, who finished the season, um, at least the bowl season, inside the top 10. Kansas State, who also finished in the top 10. And what, yeah, after, four, so after four, KU's four bowl teams, game, they finished the, ninth. Four teams in the top 10? Five teams in the top 10? Four teams. Four teams from the Big 8, which, again, there's only eight teams in the conference. Yeah, because Half we, we actually... Teams. Back then, the yeah. number of schools in your conference was actually reflected by what your <laughs> conference was named. What a weird concept. Wow. Half of the teams in the conference were top 10 teams, and one of them was the national title winner, which honestly makes all those scores that Nebraska won by even crazier. Yeah. But that is an unbelievable season. And then on top of that, none of the schools, if you were like, hey, there's four top 10 teams in the Big 8, none of them are Oklahoma. That's wild. So, for the year, Kansas was led by Mark Williams at quarterback. You had the duo of June Henley and LT Levine at running back and, and kind of fullback. That was really fun. You had a good receiving duo, duo Isaac Bird, Shunday Smith. Uh, you had two linemen drafted into the NFL, Rod Jones and Chris Banks. And then the defense was good. You were led by Jason Thorin and uh, Dorian Brew on that end of the field. For the season, Kansas scored about 29 points per game, 31st in the country. Gave up less than 22, 42nd in the country. Point differential, they were in the top 30. So uh, it, it was a very good Kansas team. So they get invited to the Aloha Bowl, played on Christmas Day of 1995 in Honolulu. UCLA came in at 7-4. and four. KU was obviously 9-2. and two. And how about this? The day before departing to Hawaii, so the day before they're going to get on the plane, Glenn Mason, the head coach, announced he was leaving to take a job coaching the University of Georgia. Oh, which like now nowadays, imagine that with with the state with, of where Georgia's Lance. gotten. Oh, Kansas coach is going to <laughs> coach at Georgia, the defending national title. Georgia right? fires Kirby Smart <laughs> yeah, to hire Lance, Lance Leipold. But hours before the game, the coach in like a, a way to pump him up told his players he'd reconsidered and he's staying. Okay. You think of the he got to Hawaii and he's like, yeah, this is pretty nice. Pretty nice, you know. know? But see, wouldn't that have made you want to go to the SEC even more? Because then you just get to be in. Warm weather as you see all the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, Kansas off to a hot start. They they dominated the game. They're up 17-0 at halftime. Mark Williams had a 49-yard touchdown uh, or, or had a touchdown pass, and then June Henley had a 49-yard rushing touchdown. They were up 23-0 in the third quarter. Henley got his second score. UCLA finally got on the board. Cade McNown, if that name rings a bell, threw the touchdown pass. And then Mark Williams had back-to-back touchdowns. One was a 77-yarder to Isaac Bird. Another was a 27-yarder to Andre Carter. It was 37-7 to after three okay, quarters. So they were pretty much dominant. Yeah. Uh, UCLA did score back-to-back touchdowns to open the, the final quarter to kind of make it, I don't know, uh, look a little more respectable. It's 37-21. to And this is just wild for me. When I was going back and I was, like, watching some of the game, it was on – you can, like, find it on YouTube. Um, they had an All-American running back. And when they said his name, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wait, really? It was the name of their All-American running back. Wow. Which, like, it's one thing if somebody has the same name as someone else. But when he's also at UCLA, yeah, just is... as at the time Lou Alcindor, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, it's kind of funny. Well, wasn't, I mean, wasn't he, I mean, he was at, U, Lou Alcindor was at U, UCLA yeah. way yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, late 60s, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is still weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Williams. Well, maybe ended this up, guy was named after him. He could have been, honestly. Who knows? And then he went to UCLA. Williams had a uh, six-yard touchdown run. Eric Van had a sixty-seven-yard score that 
came around another UCLA touchdown. So Kansas won 51 to 30. KU had 548 total yards of offense. Uh, UCLA had 395. Henley had over 100 rushing yards on just 13 carries. Isaac Bird had over 100 receiving yards. Williams had over 300 total yards. Just a great game for KU, capping off an unbelievable season. They finished the year 10 and 2 with a 10 win season. They wound up ranked ninth in the final AP poll. Um, the Big Eight obviously was great. It was the final year of the Big Eight, so that's quite a oh, way to go out with a bang. Yeah. Wow. Terry Donahue, who was the UCLA head coach for the bowl game, retired. And how about this? Glenn Mason, so we talked about the story. Yep. He was like, oh, I'm going to go to Georgia. But then last minute, he was like, no, I'm, I'm second. Change of heart. I'm, I'm staying. He stayed for 1996. They went four and seven. And then he left. Oh, Left for Minnesota. He spent 10 seasons in Minnesota. He Man. played in seven bowl games. Could have gone to Georgia and instead went to Minnesota. Yeah. Not great. significantly colder. Yes. But alternate universe... Glenn Mason stays the KU head coach. You just wonder how that has a ripple effect on things, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, does it, does it ever get to a point where Mark Mangino gets hired when he does and eventually builds the Orange Bowl team? Because maybe Glenn Mason continues to go. To, again, he went to seven bowl games in 10 I mean, years in Minnesota. He was there for 10 more seasons, yeah. so he was there until, what, 2006? Then? Yeah. So even if at that point, I mean, Mangino might have been a head coach elsewhere at that point, but even if KU had earmarked him then, it would be just a different timeline and uh, certainly interesting to think about the ripple effects there. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our bowl games of KU football past. We'll have another one coming up on tomorrow's show into the decade of the 2000s. This is RCST. We've got some uh, KU basketball audio coming up next.